0: Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here for a minute. I want to talk to you. head against the wall. Can't find peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. Well, man, I ain't gonna lie to you Good guys, bad boys, we're all the same Same by grace in the name of the game Turn
1: around, hit the ground, time to lay your burden down Welcome to the Tink 12 Recovery Radio Show, the great reality broadcasting to you and for you From the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, worldwide via the internet Dave Fleming is here Good morning. Marvar's here. Yes, I am. And Denver the Wolfman is here.
2: Howdy. That sounded kind of lame.
3: Yeah.
1: Didn't it? <laughs> it looked
2: lamer from where I was sitting.
1: Did it? Did it? <laughs>
2: good morning. Yeah. Good
1: morning. Albany. <laughs> oh, the, you peaked the needle. Oh, that's a good thing, though. The job's done. Yeah, you're, yours is. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's good to have you with us. Uh, we all are all here because we're not all there. And the topic this week is confusing meeting attendance with working a program. Boy, that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, if you're already I'm confused, if you're already deciding um, that we're, we've lost our minds, uh, that's okay. Just stick with us, uh, hear us out. Uh, before we go into any of that stuff, though, I do want to bring up what's coming up on September sixth. It's the 2019 Hands Across the Bridge. September is National Recovery Month, for those of you who didn't know. Hands uh, Across the Bridge at Riverfront Park Amphitheater in Salem, Oregon. The main event starts at 5 p.m. Um, uh, but you can come at 2, 2 to 7. It's free to everybody, so bring the kitties. Uh, we're gonna have a DJ, live music, speakers, food, games, fun, fellowship, friendly stuff for the family. And just a lot of information and a lot of recovery booths and that kind of thing going on in Salem, Oregon, on the sixth. Uh, Dave Fleming, you're going to be there, right? With bells on. With bells on. Denver hey, Wolf's going to be bells. there. All right. If we yeah. could drag Marvin his horse, he would be there. But <laughs> why
2: can't he just ride his horse? Why don't he drag it? Just
1: ride. You just ride up. We could get like a Take Twelve Recovery Radio decal and put on the horse. I see. I like that. saddle blankets with "Take 12 yeah, on the side. Embroidery, nice. Yeah, embroidery. There you go. There you go. Emblazoned. Yes, indeedy. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, on September 6th. And then it's September 7th at Clark College in Vancouver, Washington. It's the Southwest Washington Recovery Coalition um, event.
2: 10 times fast. Yeah, right?
1: At uh, Clark College in Vancouver. And we're all going to be there as well. So, stop by and say howdy. Are you making that one, Dave? You betcha. You. Yeah. Right, oh, bell's on. Ding, ding. Wow. <laughs> there you go. That's what you get. That is what you get. All righty. Stop right All there. All right. It's time for Monty Man's Weekly Wine. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, a little restaurant review for you. Um I, I was up, I was up in uh so I was up in Sandy Oregon uh which is right outside of Boring Oregon. A really really pretty drive up there, right right down the road from Estacada Oregon. And uh was it was suggested to me to visit Calamity Jane's, hamburger joint in Sandy. So we went. And uh there's dollar bills Old dollar bills all over the place. Uh I mean on the walls, on the floor, on the ceiling, everywhere. It's kind of collected, right? Not, not for long. <laughs> right. But the uh, the 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 burger was huge and it was fair. It was fair, way overpriced. Marsh's seventeen dollar um oh, holy, chicken strips. Seventeen dollar yeah, wow. burger were were overcooked. The milkshakes They do the old-fashioned milkshakes In the big metal container Yeah That was phenomenal Um, But the bathrooms were absolutely horrendous (laughs) I mean, just filthy Just just disgusting And the carpet was bad I mean, the place was just Calamity Oh, it was a calamity Uh, I would not recommend it Unless you're stopping by to get a milkshake to go Because those are pretty not good How much were the burgers? Yeah, it was like a I think it was a thirteen dollar burger and Marcia's chicken shirts were seventeen I I just uh, yeah. So, so uh let me chime in on a wine when you get yeah. in
3: there. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So did you get stuck on traffic on yes, I five? Any?
1: Yes. I got you? yeah, I got stuck a little bit uh going up. Uh huh. Um you know, we have that Albany conundrum thing that goes on where everybody slows down to see nothing because there's nothing to slow down to see.
4: Well, that, Is that what they're
3: doing? I that, guess so. No, no, no. <laughs> let, let, let me chime in on that one. Yeah. That's exactly where I was headed. Right? right. So I lit out for Albany on Saturday. Yeah. Go down there and see a buddy of mine. And uh, I pull out of Albany, and all of a sudden, it's red lights everywhere. Stop, stop, stop. So we're braking, and I I see the sign up there that says, Crash, two miles ahead. Yeah, right? all yeah. Right. I'm thinking, all right, there better be something spectacular <laughs> when I get there. <laughs> I get there, and I see the flashing lights happening up ahead, and I'm thinking, all right, this is where the action's at, right? I get yeah. there, and there's a road sign that says, Use Both Lanes. <laughs> It's, it's a two-lane freeway going right. going north. Right. Yeah. There was nothing there. I know. But a sign saying, use both lanes.
1: It happens all the time.
3: And people were funneling in and out, trying to figure out which lane it was going to be. Stop right. and go, stop and go. And then they get there, and it all busts loose like the Kentucky I Derby.
1: I know. It's amazing. Gee, man. It's amazing. Christmas. Yeah, it's the Albany. It's it's. It's the uh, <laughs> muta Triangle of of Albany freeway system. Uh, uh, very weird. It's
2: just a big government experiment. Yeah. Chemtrails.
1: Yeah. contrails, Um The other one was uh, no handicap access on the beaches in Oregon. Gee, many Christmas. We went up to. We've 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 known this before. We've we've experienced this before. But they have some of these little little uh, platforms that you can take a wheelchair up to and sit and look over. ...and see the ocean. But that's what you see. You don't see the surf. You see the ocean and the oil tanker hundreds of miles away. Because if you were sitting in a wheelchair, you can't see over the shrubbery. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, so we, we were down at uh, Seal Rock, which is south of Newport. And there's... it's Once again, no handicap access. And I'll tell you, and I had no idea... And most people don't. Until you've experienced being handicapped, until you've experienced some of these things, you don't realize some of the littlest things that we take for granted. I mean, this one this one ranger, she goes, oh, yeah, you can go down here and you can pull right up to the beach. So we went to that one spot. No, you can't. You pull up right to this place where there's a cleft that you'll fall down if you're handicapped, <laughs> and then you can go right up to the beach. <laughs> But people don't people don't get it unless you're handicapped or you have a disability. You really don't understand um, how difficult it can be. So there you go. That's my wine. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so All of right. course, to balance that, you know, we gotta we don't gotta you have need
2: tissue for that one.
1: Okay. We gotta have a win got a couple of them here. <clears throat> All right, so uh it was really great. Uh uh over the weekend uh Fitzpatrick uh, and Sher- Sherman Sherman
3: Sherman Williams. Sh- Sherman
1: Williams. Uh paint Phil, uh, Fitzpatrick construction and painting um came out uh, they awarded they were they had a contest for nonprofits and awarded a $10,000 paint job um uh, to whoever the winner was of this contest they were having, uh, the director's wife for adult teen challenge wrote them and we ended up winning and they ended up doing a hundred thousand dollars worth of work and came out and gave the adult teen challenge center in shed Oregon, a complete facelift. I mean, everything from, uh, prep work to sealing stuff, to pulling rod out, to replacing things. I have somebody with that with my house. Uh, and then painting the entire center, and man, it was something. We had the uh, NBC was out there, uh, radio stations were out there, the newspapers were out there, Take-12 Radio was out there.
3: I haven't seen the color yet. What was it, gray?
1: It's a gray yeah, with a white trim, and uh, it's I think it's burgundy, but they call it brick red on the doors, on the wooden doors. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna to have
3: to roll out there and check it out.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of gray on the multi. I mean, on the on the gym because it's a big surface. Right. right. It's too much for me, but it's clean and it's sharp. I mean, it looks really, really nice. That's just a really any color that would just. That's just a huge surface. Because there's not really any trim there. You know what I mean? I,
3: I seen some video, and I don't know how many people showed up for that event. but paint Yeah, it was logo like on the
1: side. 80 to 100, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was part of their Paint It Forward program mm-hmm. that they do. Uh, and Fitzpatrick is a, uh, a Christian-owned and operated um, construction company.
3: I read over 200 gallons from uh, yes. Sherwin-Williams. Yeah. And uh, anyone that knows their paint
1: is uh, not reasonably priced it's top quality 80 gallons just for the base coat yeah yeah it was amazing Awesome, definitely definitely a win uh it looks it just looks really nice and like our director says it shows people that you know we we don't just care about the building we care about the people inside the building and the building just it needed it bad Mm -hmm. uh it looks really really good so uh exciting stuff that is definitely a win there you go you guys got any wins? No? Okay, we'll move on. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to end the win with this. Uh, one of our listeners This is from Kay. Stop it.
3: <laughs> this the, is the listener.
1: Uh, get out. <laughs> this is Kay Rita Husby. She is uh, she's in the medical field and she is from Colleyville, Texas. So next to Cauliflower, Texas. I maybe. That's awesome, nice um, Texas. I had the privilege of talking with her on the phone for about an hour, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, uh, she contacted me and just wanted to share her, uh, appreciation for the show and for all you guys, what we do. And she's an avid listener. Uh, and I thought this was a great win. She wrote this poem and I, I wanted to read it on the air. And this is what it's called. It's called in this moment. And she wanted to share this with take 12 radio and our listeners. Uh, Life is only in this moment, not in the day or in the hour. Lord, keep me in this moment and fill me with your power. Keep me here in this moment, living now where you reside. Keep me with you in this moment, hand in hand, now by your side. Keep me here in this moment, seeing what you've done and have for me. See, keep me here in this moment, being what you'd have me be. You were there in those moments, When I did what I regret. Help me stay in this moment. Help me live. Forgive. Forget. There's no need to waste this moment wondering when or how or why. It's in your hands and in your time. I'll know the reason why. Keep me from fearing future or what's about to be. Keep me here in this moment. Your loving arms surrounding me. Help me cherish every moment. I need you to show me how. Love lives in the present. Love lives in the now. So life is only in this moment, not in the day or in the hour. Lord, keep me in this moment and fill me with your power. Uh, Rita, K. Rita Husby. And so, you know, when we get stuff like this from listeners, it's very encouraging. You know, this is from Texas. We're in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Rita. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah most certainly. Yeah. Thank you. Re- really good stuff. So I much appreciate Just a sweet, sweet lady. And uh, it was just really... A lot of fun talking with her. Um, and one more thing, just a bit of news, uh, because I have gotten some some emails, and I actually got a couple of phone calls. Uh-oh. Um, people wondering what happened to Tony, our co-host Tony. And I'll just simply say that Tony has made some decisions where she's uh, going in a different direction than we are, and we wish her well. We thank her for uh, the couple of years that she was here, and... Um, There you go. Sometimes life takes a turn and you go in different directions and and that's okay. Uh, And so we'll miss her. We'll definitely miss her laugh. But yeah, um, yeah. so power on, Tony. And uh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we're going to take a break. Now, listen to this. This This is a really good deal here. I want you to check this out. We'll come back and tell you how you can actually make this happen. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, it's the Monty Man here with a great offer just for you, our listeners. It's our Take 12 Recovery Radio Coffee Mugs. With Take 12 Recovery Radio on the back and the Monty Man mascot on the front. Now you can have coffee with the Monty Man every day with your official Take 12 Recovery Radio Coffee Mug. These are limited edition coffee mugs made available to you for $17, a donation that helps keep Take 12 radio on the air. But we're going to sweeten the deal. For a limited time, I'm offering the audio DVD series, Walking Through the Big Book, and Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. This is a total of 64 one-hour workshops with one of the most sought-after circuit speakers in the world of the 12 Steps, Mr. Chris S., These workshops are normally $25 each and the coffee mug $17 each. But through this exclusive offer, you get all three for only $25. That's a $67 value for only $25. And we'll even throw in the shipping and handling. But this is for a very limited time, so you need to order yours today. All funds raised by this limited time offer goes directly to help keep the world's original Recovery Talk and Positive Music Radio Station on the air so we can continue to carry the message of hope through recovery. So stay tuned to hear how you can take advantage of this awesome opportunity and help us to carry the message. All right, so this is how you order your uh, your, your goodies. Uh you get the uh, walking through the big book, walking through the 12 by 12 and the coffee mug. You simply go to take12radio.com and click on the banner that says get your Take12 recovery radio coffee mug. That's what you do. And it'll take you to a page, it'll it'll show you the exclusive deal that's going on right now. You click on add to my cart. It's right under the picture, add to my cart. And um you will be charged uh $25 for the whole package. And that includes shipping and handling. Or if you just want the coffee mug, you scroll down to the bottom, and it tells you how to get just the mug itself. Uh, So that is very limited limited time because we don't have so many of those. So take advantage of those. All right. So uh, I thought we'd have a little fun with this today. Take 12 trivia.
0: Here's
1: what's-his-name?
3: If you want to play trivia? Trivia, 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 tri-
0: That's right. It's what's-his-name. <laughs> you know what's-his-name. The Monty Man.
1: Okie-dokie. Okay, little bang, bang, shoot him up trivia. I think Marv's going to like this. Um. All right. So... Here's the first one, and you get three choices, multiple choice uh, in all of these. In which of the following Western movies uh, does Clint Eastwood play a character that seems to be the ghost of a sheriff who was whipped to death? Here's your choices. High Plains Drifter, Westworld, or Mystery Ranch. What do you think, Marv? High Plains Drifter. Okay. What do you think, Dave? mystery ranch
3: i don't know (laughs) oh Mm, denver i like mystery ranch but i think it's high plains
1: (laughs) yeah dave sorry it's all
3: right i like the mystery though
1: (laughs) yeah denver bell okay yeah you guys uh you you two are correct it was high plains drifter all right number two uh well-known western actor audie murphy remember audie murphy marv Mm -hmm. uh you remember audie murphy Denver?
3: No. No, I don't. Okay. I mean, him go way back. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> was a real-life war hero yeah. and Medal of Honor winner. Is that true or false, Marv? I believe it's true. What do you guys think? Sure, I'll go with <laughs> oh, Marv. Like...
3: I'm going with the cowboy
1: on that one. Yeah, you're right. It is true. All right. Number three. Which of these early cowboy heroes was known for his amazing skill with a bull whip instead of a gun? Was it Lash LaRue? Jay Silverheels, or John Wayne? Marv? Lash LaRue. Denver? What well, was the first one? Lash LaRue, Jay Silverheels, or John Wayne?
3: Man, Marv jumped on that. I got a ride on his tail again.
1: Yeah? Yep,
2: I'm, r- yeah, I'm riding that too.
4: That's correct.
2: How'd you know that, Marv? The name Lash, maybe? Have you watched <laughs> him in action?
4: When I was a little kid.
3: Really?
1: <laughs> All right, yeah, you answered that quick. All right, Uh, Clayton Moore portrayed the Lone Ranger on television and in the movies. In spite of being one of the most iconic Western hero characters ever, the Lone Ranger wore a black hat because Moore felt it made him look tougher. Is that true or false, Marv? I believe it's uh, false. Okay, uh, Dave? False. Denver?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Here's one of these questions. I go, why? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go, it's true. It made him look uh, m- more
1: ominous. Kind of a trick question. Do we know why, anybody? Because it was a white hat. Sorry, Denver. Oh, well. I didn't... Do you have any in so this in
2: this questions in this decade? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Well, not really, no. <laughs> not really, no. Anything from
1: Gilligan's Island? <laughs> Ginger was really a man um, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that We <laughs> only really have two more uh, Which of the following actors Would you expect to see If you were viewing the 1952 Western High Noon Would it be Glenn Ford, Gary Cooper Or Ronald Reagan, Marv
4: Oh. Gary Cooper
1: Dave
2: no Denver <laughs> Ronald Reagan
3: Oh, I I so love Reagan. I, have no clue. I love Reagan, but it wasn't him. I'm going to go with Cooper.
1: Yeah, Cooper is correct. It yeah. was Greg Cooper. Sorry, David. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's just
3: shoot, shooting from the hip.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, here's the last <laughs> so I one. Roll. And this is this was uh inspired by uh, Denver's request to find this out. Um, what does three sheets to the wind mean literally? Have any idea, Marv? I always thought it meant to be drunk. Okay. That's what I thought. What but where did it come from? Do
4: you have any idea? Uh, no. I don't.
1: And you
3: guys? No, that's why I ask. I, I, I know that it has a, a it's a term that you're uh messed up, polluted, drunk, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. I didn't know where that probably that
1: really interesting. Um the sheet in the phrase uses the nautical meaning. Of a rope that controls the trim of the sail. A sheet that is in the wind has come loose from its mooring and is flapping in the wind like a flag. Hence, a totally inebriated person is out of control (laughs) control. and in danger of crashing, just like a ship that is three sheets to the wind. So the sheet is the rope. huh? Right, so if there's three of them that are broke, That got complicated. You know, the, your sailboat is in deep, kind of sorry deep weeds. Sorry, yes, now. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just a
3: drunk term. Sorry, sorry, buddy.
2: It has
4: to
3: do
2: with laundry. <laughs> there's a brewery hanging downtown. on the
3: clothesline. There's a brewery downtown by that name. I go to work every day that way, and I it's saw It's called that. Three Sheets in the Wind. Yeah, Three Sheets. And wow! I going, wow! Well, I wonder
1: what that's all yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, well, that does it for take thrown trivia. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Well, Ben, her action there. All right. So, uh, the topic this week: uh, confusing meeting attendance with working a program. Now, don't be confused. You definitely can work a program and attend meetings. I mean, heck, that's where I learned about the program. Was in meetings, right? Yep. <clears throat> but sometimes um and Bruce is probably smiling from from heaven right now because he was a big uh a big one when it came to becoming meaning dependent and and not becoming God dependent. Uh so Bruce if you're listening if you have time <laughs> you'll get a good chuckle out of this one. Um so I wanted to explore this a little bit and what I'm about to read to you comes from 12 more stupid things. That Mess of Recovery by Dr. Allenberger, our friend, and um, um, he's been a sponsor of the show and a supporter of the show for many years. Um, so just bear with me here because I, I think this is important. Uh, he says, we call it working a program because it takes effort. Simply sitting in a meeting is too passive. Confronting yourself, striving to have the best possible attitude, finding the right help or the right sponsor, and actively practicing the steps is what matters. If you attend a 12-step recovery program, you've probably been advised to go to 90 meetings in 90 days or at least heard someone being given this advice. Patients who finished a 30 to 90 day inpatient program are typically giving, given an aftercare plan that includes that direction. I've even seen addiction counselors working in an outpatient or day treatment program give their patients the prescription of 90 meetings in 90 days. This advice has been offered as a remedy for many ailments encountered in recovery. If you relapse, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. If you're depressed or anxious, attend 90 meetings in 90 days. If you're having marital problems, you definitely need 90 meetings in 90 days. And if you're having trouble at work, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, etc., etc., etc. I've always felt that there was something missing in this advice. Of course, I see value in attending meetings. They play an important role. And Vital role in recovery AA and NA Narcotics Anonymous Meeting saved my life Back in 1971 He says but you see This advice says nothing About how we need to show up When we're sitting in a meeting Attending meetings Without some direction Is another way That we approach recovery Passively Rather than taking an active role In our sobriety uh, Things like expanding Your consciousness Becoming more emotionally Mature Uh, healing relationships, improving your conscious contact with your higher power, and so on. When we attend meetings passively, we can fail to find these important recovery lessons, even when we appear to be doing the right things. That's the big risk in the 90 meetings and 90 days solution. It looks good, but we're missing the full benefit of recovery. Worse, we can be deceiving ourselves. Okay, now I'm going to... Stop there. I'm going to give you an example of the story about Lois here in a minute. Um, but let's chime in here for a minute. Um, one of the questions that I saw on I think it was called "Friends of Bill and Bob." It's a Facebook page that is very controversial. In fact, people get on there and fight constantly, and it's it's quite entertaining actually. Um, but one of the <laughs> one of the questions as of late was. Do you need to continue to go to meetings to have a healthy recovery? What do you guys think? Who wants to chime in? Why mm. looking it, at me? Got really quiet here for a minute. Because <laughs> you're right in the middle. <laughs> what do you think, Dave?
2: Well, you know, it's like anything else in life. If you want to, you know, continue to be good at it, you got to keep practicing it. Mm-hmm. And that includes meetings. Okay. So I know if I just from experience, if I don't go to meetings for a while, you know, it uh I can tell the difference. Start getting the old uh the what is it, the halt. Hungry, right.
1: angry, lonely, tired. So, um, you, so... you recognize a, a change in your attitude and kind of the way you approach life in general if you go too long?
2: Yeah, and I think uh for me anyway it's part giving back to you
1: know, I think one, that's the One huge of my big
2: sponsor piece, right? uh used to get on me if I uh when if I didn't go to this one meeting because there's a lot of people there that were new in recovery and uh there's a few of us that had some substantial time and used to get get upset with us if we didn't go and represent because we had some longevity in the program. So um
1: which yeah. is part of the twelve step, right? Right, giving back. Right.
2: Yeah. So I mean, the whole—you mentioned the the ninety meetings and ninety days. I did meetings every day for almost two years, uh, mainly because I don't know how to live life on life's terms without right. You know, did you help. do?
1: Did you do more than just sit there and drink bad coffee, though?
2: Oh yeah, I mean I, I think that's what
1: he's saying <laughs> that yeah. there's more to it than that.
2: Yeah, there. I mean, I'm I'm a little. The the last time around, you know, I was a little different. I take the information and I go home and I study it. It's like going if I go to church, I listen to the sermon, I write down the scriptures, and I go back home and I'll study it. And I'll just take it as a you know a little meeting or a sermonette, and then that's that's it. Yeah, heard some nice things today. I'm on to the barbecue or whatever. Um, I actually listen. I listen to what other people say, and then I apply it. Uh, You know what, what works for me into my life and share my experience, strength, and hope. That's I mean that for me, it's that's what it's mainly about is sharing
1: my experience with people that are new in the program. And and I think so. So when I go, I go out of town. I have my reasons for doing that. Um, I don't say where I'm going to be on the air. I've got reasons for doing that too. Um, But I think it's more I'm Bruce used to allude to this all the time, you know, going to see where I can be a maximum of service to God and the people that are in the meeting. You know, where, where, where can I do that? And as a result of that, I get the benefits. I don't go there for the benefits, but I get the benefits right. of, uh, of that. Uh, Marv, what about, what about you? Can you, can you have a good, healthy recovery program and not continue to go to meetings? What do you think?
4: Um, no, I think uh, going to meetings is an integral part of it. Now, I think there's um, some things, at least for me, that I had to think about. I, I, I'm retired now. Yeah. And I go to a lot of meetings. Right. And to be honest with you, I'm getting tired of it. Okay? Tire, tired of going or tired yeah, of going to... Th- I'm tired of going to meetings. <laughs>
1: Do you need to but mix it up at other meetings? or is Here's it,
4: the thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter whether you get tired of it or not. Oh, that's the feeling thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I keep going. But, you know, there's some things that aren't talked about a lot when we talk about meetings. And the, one of the benefits, I see it in our second tradition. And it talks about in that tradition that, that God may express Himself in our group conscience. Mm. So one of the little deals I picked up from that, for me personally, is there's a lot of power in observation. Yeah, and so when I go to meetings, I try the best I can to really pay attention, and and because I've trained horses and
1: mm-hmm. stuff
4: for so many years, mm-hmm. part of that is body language. Oh, Watching yeah. body language and the right. tone of voice, mannerisms and stuff. And um, not that I'm trying to psychoanalyze anybody sure. or anything like that, but I'm trying to learn because I've got so much crap in my own life that, that I would like to get over that stuff. And I learn from other people because it says in that tradition that God is expressing himself in our group conscience. So part of the thing I say is I don't depend on the people, but I do depend on God to work through the work through the people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because in, in working with others, it says, remind the prospect and that would be the newcomer that is recovery. Isn't dependent on people, but on this relationship with God. Well, I know that my relationship with God, it was launched forth from God working through another individual that was actually listening to him and sharing what God was saying.
4: Yeah.
1: You know, I I, don't, I rarely have seen God come out of the clouds and speak to me directly. <laughs> yeah. It's usually through other people or a group of people. Denver, now you got a little different take on this, right? Maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
3: Most certainly. Do tell. So. I uh, <laughs> I I was mandated to meetings when I first. Uh, was trying to get help for my alcoholism. I didn't want to go. I wasn't done drinking. So uh, those early attempts at meetings were horrible for me. Hmm. And then I got up to Sweet Home, and I I really realized I needed to do something different. So I started going up there. Right. And uh, I gleaned a lot more out of that season of meetings for me uh, I build a friendship and it's still lasting friendships up there with those folks through the meetings so uh to me, fellowship is huge i I found sobriety through a program, obviously team challenge, yeah, is where uh I got a relationship with God, and things started coming around for me. Uh, I've been to celebrate recovery. I tend to like their uh atmosphere uh-huh. better. Right? And because I I have stepped into some meetings and there is this a, yeah, there's cuz it's more god focused. Yeah, specifically god focused. There's a lot of whining that went on and I listen to Marv, you know, uh he absorbs people. I love to people watch too. So right. uh I do glean that from meetings, but uh I don't do a lot of AA meetings anymore. I don't. I stay plugged into a church and uh I have fellowship with uh like-minded people. I had right. I had to remind somebody last night he's uh Fresh on recovery, but he's got this, and I said, and he he mentioned a comment at, at the house meeting there that he had bought some beer for somebody, and I said, dude, you got to remember if you don't want to slip, you don't go where it's slippery, and you're already starting to do that, so yeah, maybe I, you don't I, got this I, as much I, as you I, I had a little talk had you have a higher power, and his higher power is he's going to do this, and you know it's it, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. Right. Yeah. So right. I stay plugged in with fellowship a lot as much, you know, out and about I yeah. am and I don't run with uh, I don't <laughs> I don't go where it's slippery unless I'm going to slip and and I will slip if I go there.
1: So I think you said I, I think you said the key word fellowship. Yes. And so I th- I think we're pretty narrow minded if we think the only legitimate fellowship is church. Or the only legitimate fellowship is the local AA meeting or NA meeting or CR meeting. That That's the only legitimate it, fellowship. It's it, some flavor. You know, the whole idea is to be in the middle of the herd, to be around like minded people, to be accountable, to be willing to, to give back, to observe so you can find out where you can be helpful and that kind of And that can happen in many circles. And sometimes I think we think, well, if you're not doing it just like this, Marv, you've alluded to this before too. Uh, some of the the unreasonable big book thumpers out there, if you're not doing it exactly like I am telling you here, then you're not going to make it. Right. And that just is not true.
4: Yeah, it's not. God works with us as the people that we are. Yeah. On a personal, up-close relationship. Yeah, yeah. And he knows our quirks and our character, and he's going to deal with us in the realm of that, Mm -hmm. I think. I
1: agree. And I went to meetings three times a day for years and could not stay sober. So meeting attendance, I was confusing meeting attendance with working a program, definitely. Because that's all I was doing, was going there, sitting there, and that's all I was doing. Now, I will tell you, though, some seeds got planted. So if somebody's not doing what you think they should do, you don't know what seeds may be getting planted. They very well may be happening. It may you may not see the results of that <coughs> in your lifetime, but I am telling you, God does some amazing things, especially when we don't think He is, right? When we're not looking, kind of thing. Well, let me tell let me let me share the story about Lois. Um, this is somebody that was definitely confused and didn't understand the difference between meeting attendance and working a program. Um, uh, Dr. Berger says, I want you to meet Lois, an AA member and a wife of my client, John. I remember Dr. Berger is uh, is a professional, um, uh, um, I'll just call him emotional sobriety counselor. Um, uh, Lois seemed to be working a great program. The key word is seemed because you'll see she resisted doing some important emotional work That would have made a huge difference in her recovery and her relationship with her husband and fellow AA members. Lois attended upward of four meetings a week, volunteered to serve as a panel speaker, had a sponsor, and even sponsored several women. Her recovery looks good when I describe it here. But please suspend your judgment until I tell you more about how Lois was dealing with her struggles with her husband and her children. Lois had relapsed a couple of times during the past decade, but had also put together several long periods of sobriety, most recently celebrating five years. Anyone in Lois's 12-step community would have told you that Lois worked a great program, but the appearance of a good program, attending meetings, spouting the right platitudes, volunteering, and so forth, can be deceptive. It was the negative quality of her most important relationships, rather than her relapses, that that tipped me off. Lois. Lois's supposed great program was making both uh, passivity and a resistance to change. Lois had her husband John. Excuse me. Lois and her husband John had been uh, estranged through much of their marriage. Her drinking and his codependency exasperated their alienation. John had hoped that with sobriety they would finally find each other and become more intimate. But now that Lois was sober, they were still alienated. In many ways, Lois's sobriety was even more painful for John because he could no longer blame the alcohol for their lack of intimacy. Now, he knew something else was wrong, and he was committed to finding out what it was. So, upon my request, John invited Lois to one of our sessions. She reluctantly joined us, but as I would soon find out, Lois was only going to attend the sessions if it was on her terms. After my initial welcome, she quickly assured me that she was there to help her husband clean up his act because she was getting the help she needed from the AA program. I don't need therapy. AA is giving me everything I need to stay sober, she declared. She went on to give me her diagnosis of what was wrong in their marriage. It's his attitude. He's never satisfied with anything I do and criticizes me all the time. John chimed in and said he felt the same way, that he could do nothing right as well. Lois countered that. She was sick of John's asking her to talk about their relationship. For her, there was nothing to talk about. She was working her program. Uh, he would work his, and that was that. I pointed out to Lois that her position put her husband between a rock and a hard place. Uh, quote, so you don't want John to discuss his frustration or grievances about the marriage with you. End quote. She didn't hesitate. No, no. He should go and talk to his sponsor. I am not his sponsor. I told her that it seemed like she didn't want to be his wife, let alone his sponsor. She glared at me with disdain. Clearly she didn't like that observation. When I asked her husband to commit I'm sorry, when I asked her husband to comment on her idea of how things were supposed to be in the marriage, he said that her attitude left him frustrated and hurt. He hoped they could discuss their issues and resolve their differences. I'm tired of being put off by her and being ridiculed for wanting a relationship, he added. Lois quick, quickly reacted and told John that this wasn't her problem. It was his. As he continued our discussion, I learned that Lois's sharp tongue had also alienated her from her four children, who had actively encouraged their father to get a divorce. Trust me, this is not normal. Children don't campaign for one parent to divorce the other unless there is some real trouble at home. Still, I'm not blaming all this marital problems on Lois. It takes two hands to sink a ship, and John played a role in their problems, too. But the focus here is on Lois, who is supposedly working a good program. Though she was physically sober, she was not emotionally sober. In order to feel good about herself uh, was a sign of her emotional immaturity. Her acid tongue, tendency to blame others and refusal to address relationship problems with her husband and children were ample evidence that she was afraid to make a real connection with the people who cared about her, and she dealt with that fear by trying to control them. She believed that everything would be okay if her husband and children unquestionably obeyed her demands, but she ended up alienating them and creating a toxic atmosphere in the family. If Lois was really working an effective program, she would have been more aware of and admitted her shortcomings. She'd have been willing to address her character defects and change her behavior. She wouldn't have needed to deflect or dismiss her husband's concerns because she would have recognized the behaviors that alienated him and been willing to make amends, trust her higher power and act out of her best self. But she wasn't willing to face her shortcomings. She remained a passive participant in her program, expecting others to change in order for her to be happy. So Lois is going to meetings. She's in service work. She's sponsoring people. But she's not applying and implementing the steps. She's just going to meetings and she's, she's crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. But she's confusing meeting <coughs> attendants with working a program. And I think this happens a lot. And one of the reasons I think it happens a lot is because... Many times within our 12 step fellowships we kind of teach this thing, well just come and just be here. And really that's all you have to do, you know. And then when anybody suggests, well maybe you should get a sponsor and actually work this program, um people get all up in arms and they don't like that. And I'm not sure if that's because people want to feel like they're doing better when they really aren't because there's a lot of work involved pride
4: pride, ego yes sir yeah expound on that well what i was just thinking about is uh, and i see it all the time in meetings when people are are talking about whatever it is the topic was in the meeting, Mm -hmm. you can just see it boiling out, arrogance and pride. Well, i done this, and this step says this, blah, 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 blah. And they're just, you can just see it. You can sense it. Yeah. And that's what I sensed right there. From Lois. Another thing I sensed was lack of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because one of the things people don't think about, there's this aura in AA about relationships that I have disagreed with uh, in a deep level for a long time. And what that is, is is this um, men stick with men and women stick with women. Mm -hmm. You don't have a relationship for a year. But, hey, that's good stuff. But they carry it farther. They carry it farther. What are you doing talking to that woman?
1: Yeah, they get you're really not, unreasonable you're not supposed about it. To be talking. Right.
4: Yeah. It gets way out of whack. Okay. What I'm trying to come to here is part of the spiritual thing. You're gonna think I'm crazy. <laughs> I believe you will. God says when you're married the two shall become one. Yes. Absolutely. And when that happens, the AA program has nothing to do with that part of it.
1: Ah. So the, the the two becoming one flesh is something that is a spiritual thing that happens. Yes. Between your relationship with God, you and your spouse. Yes. Right? Yes. And that happens
4: whether you're and, going and, to AA meetings or not. And And for somebody to say to their spouse, well... I'm working this program. I don't have, You know, blah, blah. I'm not you,
1: your sponsor.
4: They're, they're not yeah. taking into consideration any part of the other...
1: Uh, Individual. Partner yeah. or whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, because they truly are one. Why <clears> in the world <throat> would you tell your spouse... You know, you talk to your sponsor mm-hmm. about that. I don't want to hear about it. I work your... My program, you
4: work your program. That's apartment.
1: just horrible.
2: I, it, I'm sitting here listening to Marv and listening to you guys talking. and it totally just brings me back to when me and my wife got back together. We spent a, a few years apart, yeah, so that I could, you know, work on myself and she could work on herself. And I remember the first few years of us getting back together was, <clears throat> you know, now okay, so now God's restored my family. You know, now I'm I'm the man of the house, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm working as a team with my wife uh to move this family forward in, in, a, in a in this you know more spiritual direction. Yeah, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I wasn't gonna, uh, I had to be very gentle with the change because my wife wasn't not even anywhere near where I was at spiritually. My kids weren't. And so I wasn't going to go, like, go do this. From now on, you, we're going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> you you need to go do this. Or here's the rules. You know, you're going to get rid of all this music. You're going to get rid of all these books. You're going to, you know, we're yeah. going to church four days a week, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, right. It was more along the line of I had to use the principles uh, and the traditions of the programs to, and and, and, and in addition to, uh, my spiritual walk and what I was learning on that side of it um, and incorporated that into my family in a very gentle, loving way. Mm-hmm. And I had to remember all of those things uh, when we got into the, you know, the relationship or the communication issues. It's like um, I I need to be the one to to steer this in the right direction and help this person. I always kept, God kept showing me, Uh, taking me back to the program, like how would you treat a sick friend, or how would you how would this relate to somebody that was in the program, you know? Because I'm, you know, my dealing with uh family members sometimes uh, be the same as dealing with an addict, you know? Oh, yeah, or dry drunk, yeah, whatever. Uh, that's why I I went to Al Anon and I went to a few other groups as well to learn as much as I can to have. Some kind of a relationship. You
4: did all of that with a really good attitude.
2: Well, God got a hold of not, me, so yeah. not
4: the way Lois was. Doing. No, no, no. But I've <laughs> totally, I've totally
2: seen that though, and I think that that's what kind of motivated me not to go in that direction too. Yeah, because I, I didn't want. I saw that pushy person that got into recovery, and then all of a sudden. The whole family has got to do their whole life differently because I say so, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, or you need to go get help for yourself or you need you know you know to go go take care of that, and then come back and see me, yeah, and I saw that, yeah, and that was people that were in the program and at church, um into the guise of well, now I'm a Christian, so now the whole family's a Christian, and you're gonna do what i ta- do what I say, and that works real well, doesn't it, yeah, not at all, not at right? all, yeah. You know the whole. Yeah. you know, This is a whole other topic, but you know the whole the wives submit to their husbands, right? It doesn't mean totally twisted to, and taken wrong, right? Then yeah. I'm going to yeah. boss you around and tell you what to do. Uh, so I mean, that, and that's a whole different subject. But yeah, the um, relationships I saw so many relationships fall apart uh, once you know one or the, one or both got into
1: recovery. I have seen I have seen spouses come into Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, even celebrate recovery. I've seen this over the last several years, and a light goes on with them, and all of a sudden, they become a professional therapist. Right. Right? And everybody in their family is going to be going to those meetings with them, and if they're not, then they will start blaming them for not having a healthy recovery. Right? Because you're not on board with me. And the family needs to be on board with me. And that's just not true. Somewhere in the big book it talks about, you know, don't make these excuses. Well, I lost my job. I can't get my wife back. All that kind of stuff. No man should say that. You can do this thing. Um, Without, uh, you know, all this other stuff in life and expectations even working out, you still can stay sober. You can grow in your relationship with your higher power. uh, And uh, it can work. Um, But I am telling you, Lois's view of recovery is very narrow. But in her perception, it's a healthy program. Yeah, but we're
2: maybe not seeing the whole story or hearing the whole story because what was she taught?
1: And there you go. Right. What was she taught? What was her sponsor taught? Was she taught just keep going to meetings? Make sure you share every time you're called on. And that's working a program. If if she was taught, you know, a lot of people are taught get into service, and that's a good thing. Get into service. Be here every time the doors are open, and you'll stay sober. And if you believe that, if that's your limitation of it, right, then
2: you believe that. Well, and that's well, that goes back to what we've said. I don't know how many times about you know spiritual kindergarten, right? Being in 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 the programs because that's that's where you start. Right, that's how you get people that's to, the to yeah. start by coming to the meeting. It's like just show up. You don't have right. to share. You don't have to do nothing. You know, maybe help set up chairs or whatever, or make some coffee. But that's just to get the person in the door. To get them show moving. them what it's about. Yeah, not to leave them there.
1: So that phrase, "Trust God, clean house, help others." Well, that's a loaded statement, and people don't realize that. What does it mean to trust God? It means you do the directives he gives you. It doesn't mean you just sit there and go, I trust God. Right. You know, what does clean house mean? It means you do an active force step. It means you do an inventory. It means you make amends. It means you follow the directions. Bill Wilson called these directions, not steps originally. And, and, and that's what they were. Um, uh, helping others, helping others. Isn't just pouring their coffee. You know, I I posted a thing on Facebook yesterday. Um, It was, if I get it right here, uh, uh, your love basically is, is as effective as your willingness to be inconvenienced. You know, loving somebody, helping somebody can be inconvenient. If you're only doing it when it feels good for you... How's that service? Let me check my schedule. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I know, guys. Uh, I think can I you help me? you and
2: on next
1: Thursday? At can you help me move 1:15? my couch tomorrow? Well, I only live one day at a time. I can't plan that for any dance. Oh lord. <laughs> um. So yeah, so it, it you, you know going to means is great, and I think I think particularly if if we've been raised in that environment, it's a good thing to stick with family. But if that's all we're doing, that is confusing meeting attendance with with working a program. Working means working. It doesn't mean sitting. You know, well, I'm actively listening. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Denver, get that weird look on your face. Oh,
3: I'm just taking it all in. Yeah. I'm listening. but uh, Actively. Yeah, actively listening. Seriously, I don't whatever program you're, sure. you're in, uh, it's gonna require work. You yeah. Know, you're not gonna get anywhere sitting. I mean you're never going to go anywhere just sitting. Right. So whatever it is, you're gonna have to get up and, and work something.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Chris S., who who did the whole series, Walking Through the Big Book and Walking Through the 12 by 12, uh, that we talked about on the promo for the coffee mugs, you really ought to get that stuff, guys. Um, You really should, because he does an amazing job of taking you line by line by line through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. One of the things that he says that is just a very powerful statement is he talks about... What would happen if you sat in an aviation class and you never cracked the book? You just sat there and listened to people talk about aviation. That's all you did. And then when class was over, they gave you the keys to a plane. How well do you think you'd do? Depends on if you had a photographic memory or not. (laughs) You know what? I know. You'd crash but that's kind of what we do. And so we're attending, but we're not participating. Or we're attending and we're participating to a certain level, and we settle. We settle. So when when it says, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, the original manuscript said has thoroughly followed these directions. But even back then... People were saying, well, Bill, you don't want to get too pushy. You don't want to alienate anybody. Let's say thoroughly followed our path. Because direction seems too bossy. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, somebody to I had had my life saved, man. I I had somebody had to get somebody get in my face say, you know, if you don't do this, you could die. And it was a wake-up call. I didn't need to have anybody pat me on the rear end and you know. At the same time, I didn't need a harsh hand either, but I needed a firm one. And I think we've gotten wishy-washy and just complacent and, you know, well, just keep coming back. For what? To listen to Lois complain about her husband? (laughs) That's what Elanon's for. Oh, boy, you're going to you're gonna have some people. Probably that, get some yeah, blowback right. on that one. Uh <laughs> <Mark's laughs> it up. Uh, yeah, so, all right. Uh, so those of you who are in the uh, Facebook group, Friends of Bill and Bob, uh, yeah, go for it, man. Start a little scuffle. I'm going to have to I, tune in to I, that. I dare you. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a I'll tr- I'll tr- troll a, a line. There's it, it, a lot of controversy in that in, in that group, but you know what? My sponsor used to tell me, as long as you're talking, you don't have time to put a bottle in your mouth. So maybe that's good. Maybe it's well a, it depends yeah. on what you're talking about. Depends <laughs> on what you're talking about. Closing thoughts, Marv. Poison. Um,
4: I don't know. Wait, you um, didn't say I can't know. No, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, I know there's people who come up against this, but really, it is a balance. Sure. And you know, life itself is never going to be a balance. It's always going to be this, you know, this two shall pass type thing, and and but the balance is is what what you're doing with yourself while you're going through these things. Yeah. And that, to me, that's what the program teaches there, there is a balance there and that means all parts of it right you know so not cherry picking yeah
1: yeah yeah i hear you denver closing thoughts <sighs> i
3: don't know it's good to listen to all, all that right there uh i'm thankful i have a higher power because i i wouldn't even well i wouldn't be here if it wasn't yeah, right for that so yeah
1: me too, Dave. Last words.
2: Class words. <laughs> Dave, Dave's words. Last words. Words. Wow. Words. <laughs>
3: last
1: words, Dave. Make it good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this too shall pass. All right.
1: <laughs> good enough. Uh, this is a, our closing song is by Citizen Way. This is a song about uh, him meeting this gal. She was homeless, and um, she's telling his story. And through her tears, she's saying, "You know what." In all things, I give thanks to God. Check it out, Citizen Way. website for more of their great positive music at citizen-way.com until our next broadcast this is the monty man along with the take 12 recovery radio family and we are wishing god's perfect serenity for you bye-bye now
0: This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.
2: Cause she's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty meow. Meow yeah, kitty, kitty 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs>